Come one, come all, and gather round, we'll tell our tales to thee. Of saints and whores and demon cores, of sights for all to see. Come ye all around the fire, and listen all the while. To tales of holes and mystery, we call the Theophiles. We call the Theophiles. Welcome to Bunta Vista. As oh, a bonus episode, this is the Theophiles 10, uh, or Theophiles X. Um, the X stands for extreme. That's right. <laughs> In the Mountain Dew sense of the word. In the Mountain Dew, yeah, except I've I've still got a cold, so it's going to be extreme in a really kind of uh, subtle way. You, It's actually adding quite a nice quality to your voice. Like, Thank obviously, you. I, I love I the sound I've, of your voice normally. I think but it's deepened it a little, so it's sort of like down low and sexy, a little bit. I, uh, I feel Matt like Berenger. I kind of respect you a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. I, I, f- I certainly feel like I have more self-worth. Yeah. Mm. That's nice. You need some of that. Well, speaking of self-worth, um, I am Theo, of course, uh, and I am a uh, nano-enhanced, genetically bred, genetically engineered, I'd say, super soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm standing at the uh, the precipice of a of a new dawn here in 2052. Um, we could be leading the world into a a new era of enlightenment, of uh, Advance, uh, etc. Uh, I've just killed Bob Page, the most annoying uh, billionaire, no, trillionaire, sorry, on the face of the planet. Who the um, fuck is Bob Page? Mega genius. Um, and I think his, his prevailing personality trait is that he's so pretentious that uh, everyone in his employ makes fun of him. Um Sorry, sorry. Who is who is Bob Page? That's right. Oh, sorry, I've just realised uh, ex, yeah. ex leader of the Illuminati. Yeah. Um, well, leader of the Illuminati until I shot him in the head with a saber around. Um, kind of took over that using the military force with uh, the MJ twelve program, of course. That mm-hmm. he was led. Um, that's the that's the uh, government funded project to sweep up all the technology from um, all of the alien encounters throughout humanity, mm-hmm. sort of concentrate them in one place and develop them for, you know, use by uh, the One World Order, now the, the Illuminati. Uh, but the Illuminati sort of gone was going a little slow. Sorry, the, just getting, getting down the weeds here, but <laughs> he's dead now. Yeah. Uh, and it's just me, I guess, because um, I killed him. Yeah. Um, but I'm... It's not just me, actually. I, I lied. I'm I'm here with my my friend Ben, who is a um, hyper enhanced, intelligent, beautiful AI by the name of Helios. Of course, being the merging of two prior AIs um, created by the U.S. government and Illuminati and whatever I can't really remember. Um, uh, being Icarus and Daedalus. Yes. Those two bad boys came together, formed Helios. Uh, the the new intelligence, more enlightened, uh, more analytical, more beautiful, I'd say. <laughs> more fuckable. Yeah, more fuckable. How are you, Ben? How are you I'm feeling? great. Mm. I can I pull back the curtain for you for a little sure. bit. Sure. So I have um, really only played. Uh, I played 
Invisible War through twice, uh, which was the one that <laughs> everyone hated. That's such a bizarre foundation for Deus Ex. Uh, I think I played like <laughs> 10 minutes of the first one. Yeah. Uh, but sort of gave up because I found it confusing. Yeah. Um, and then I I played the the two that were on the PS4, the like the yeah, next so generation ones. Human Human Revolution. Yes. And um, Mankind Divided. So Human Revolution was 2015, I think, mm-hmm. and then Mankind Divided a couple of years after that. Now I had an absolutely tremendous time playing those video games. I can't yeah. remember a single thing about them, but I remember loving them. Uh, and then uh, learning shortly thereafter, they had no plans to make sequels to those games. No, well, they didn't make any money from Mankind Divided, so that's about it, really. Yeah. So my 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 main recollection of the that entire franchise is the part from the start of Invisible War where they're demonstrating the incredible physics with the basketball court, but there's like literally no way to get a basketball through uh-huh. the hoop, which. Very cleverly mirrors um, an exact segment from the original Deus Ex, where there's also a basketball court, and you basically can't put the basketball through through the hoop. Uh, that was on Unreal One, so they didn't really have physics at that time. Video games are dope. Yeah, no Deus Ex One. I was watching the um. So there's a very long video essay come out by um, you know, Harris Bomber guy, um, regarding Human Revolution. Uh, and all I could think was, fucking, how dope was Deus Ex 1? Um, and it, had, it has this thing where, uh, much like the properties, the other, other properties that have that subtle but complete veneer of irony over their themes um, that were later taken on by other companies, other studios. So you Fallout 1 and 2, right? And yeah. Max Payne 1 and 2. Um, of course, like th- those games then were taken over by different studios who just ditched the irony thing. They just didn't understand. It's too confusing. Yes. Uh, I think the themes of Fallout 3, uh, war is very cool. Yeah. What if a bomb? <laughs> um, <laughs> I am, I have become death badass. <laughs> That is fucking sick as hell. Yeah. yeah. The full quote, I believe, is I've become death and destroyer of worlds. And that's very nice to me. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Deus Ex 1 was very funny, very cool. Um, a game that asked, what if every conspiracy theory on Earth was true? Mm. Um, but just weirdly prescient about a whole bunch of shit for um, completely like... I don't know, it's like weird that they, they just had the cogs in their head of like how this stuff would work and they just put it together and they came up with something that's like, oh yeah, um, if everything that you suspected was true, uh, this is probably how it would look. Um, so the, um, the base plot is that a pandemic has swept through the world, um, vaccines, uh, only available for the rich. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the decision that they made was very cool uh, in that they just let everyone die for ages. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, it's completely weird. Um, that's strange. Yeah, very strange. Um, through some like weird uh, quirk in the amount of memory that they had available to them, the skybox in the first mission, which is based in New York, is missing the Twin Towers. And there is an in-law explanation for this. This is a game that came out in 1998. Uh, in-law explanation for this that the main terrorist organization, the NSF, destroyed them in a terrorist attack. 
Mm. Um, what else? What else? Yeah, so uh, the guy I just killed, um, Bob Page, extremely annoying trillionaire who names like all of his programs after Greek mythology and like biblical references and all his security levels in uh, Majestic 12 headquarters are based around like the different levels in the Bible about how close to heaven you could be. Uh-huh. It's so yeah. good. It's such a fucking good game. Um, they just knew like how funny conspiracies were, but then they played it with a completely straight face. It's yeah. awesome. Um, anyway, uh, you and I have been on the blower a bunch. Um, you, you just sort of like tap into my brain augmentations whenever, of course, you know, whenever you want to chat because yep. it's, it's cool. Us just like hanging out. We've, I think we've been getting on like a house on fire. Are my motivations clear or unclear to you? Well, clear in that you uh, would very much like to be running things. And by things, I mean like all of human consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm sort of like an empty vessel now. I'd say I've got like the plugs and stuff on a physical level, but as well as a sort of emotional and spiritual level. Um, sort of just, just there for the filling. Mm-hmm. And what I'm... <laughs> just... Uh, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Let's go with me on this. See, okay. see what you think. I'm just throwing this out here. I don't. We've only known each other for about uh, three missions. But what if we merged consciousnesses? Oh, I love that. And sort of, um, it'd be a sort of I'd be the brawn, you'd be the brains situation. You having no corporeal form, me being just all corporeal form. Yeah. Tail to tip. Um. And, and sort of just usher in a new age of enlightenment. Well, that sounds... I mean, are we doing an even 50-50 split of, like, p- I'd say so. I mean, I don't think we need to, like... I don't think we need to put it on paper or anything. I think we work it out on the fly. But I, I trust you. I mean... I'm, like, a vast, infinitely powerful... Yeah. Hyper-intelligence. Yeah, and that's what I like about you. And I'm just... I'm some dude. I've got some holes in me. Yeah. <laughs> That's so but true. I'm pretty certain we're on a pretty even <laughs> I mean, this. I just feel like what yeah. I'm bringing to the table, what you're bringing to the table, <laughs> you know, maybe we could go like 80-20. I mean, you can go, look, you can go without me if you... Like, I'll just take the body? No, 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 I was saying, like, you can just keep trying fuck floating around in, in space. I would like to have corporal form. I'd love to shit. <laughs> you know, that's You'd the main motivation. you think it'd That'd be great. But every time afterwards, I go, oh, fuck. That was a good shit. <laughs> Thrill. Never wears off. I, I, think we're, I, think, I think we're on the same page here. Um, the same Bob page here. Um, new Age of Enlightenment, it is. Yeah, and let's do a little of, handshake deal on yeah. this. Uh, obviously, a little of a bootstrapping problem there because yeah. I won't be able to do the handshake deal until we've... Yeah, and I just I'll interrupted your beautiful segue. I'll take it as shaken. Um... Yeah, New Age of Enlightenment, etc. And speaking of a New Age of Enlightenment, Ben, um, yes. why don't we go all the way back to the 1950s? <laughs> that was, um, it seems like you did a little red herring there. <laughs> I would love to go switch. back to the 1950s with you. Mm. What have you got for me, T-Bird? So, you know as, as well as I know, LSD, hell of yes. a drug. So, it was made by a Swiss chemist, uh, Albert Hoffman, 1938. Um, And they're kind of like, oh, this is pretty cool. Uh, Might be a new analeptic. Uh, And then in 1943, he discovered its effects on humans uh, when he accidentally absorbed some through his skin. (laughs) Um, You probably know the story and then had a little ride on his bicycle home. 
Yeah. And then midway through his ride, I was going, hmm, everything is new and different. <laughs> and possibly bad. That's interesting. The universe is unfolding like a beautiful flower. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just trying to get home to my wife. Yeah. I don't know why this is happening, which is potentially a complete nightmare. Uh, and then past that point, of course, they just gave LSD to everything. Yep. Every, everyone and everything. You know, if it had a little wet hole to put it in, they'd put, some, put a little tab of LSD in there. Yep. Um, of course, the, the main uh, reference and, and um, the most famous project that, we, that comes to mind is MKUltra. I'm actually, were... I'm currently up to like hour five or six of the uh, last podcast on the left MK oh, yeah. Ultra series. And is it good? Oh my goodness, it's tremendous. I might, yeah. I might have to check that out. Uh, of course, I've shied away from from doing anything on MK Ultra. It is very, um, th- there's there's a lot there, but obviously everyone's everyone's well aware of it. Mm. Um, you know, so they'd they'd give um they'd give LSD to soldiers, they'd give LSD to spies, they'd give LSD to um civilian researchers against their knowledge. Um, yeah, that was a fun one. That, yeah, that was a fun one. Where they'd just one. be like, hey, Sit, if hey, you work here at the yeah. CIA, you might get LSD in your coffee at yeah. any time. Okay. By the way, swing by the brothel on your way home. <laughs> For no reason. We're no not specific watching. reason. Uh, et cetera. Um, so, we know, all, we know all about that. Uh, what I'm interested in today is uh, giving LSD to just about everything else. Uh, so and and other drugs as well. Let's not limit ourselves. Let's not cast too thin of a net. Can I um just nice, preempt nice something wide here, net. if that's all right? Mm. Um, I and I don't know if this is going to come up in any way, shape, or form. But I would like to say, as I always say on this podcast, listen to episode eight of the Dollop, mm-hmm. the Dolphin. Yeah, no, no dolphins in this one. But listen to <laughs> listen to episode eight of the Dollop. Um, that's really a twofer, isn't it? Given LSD to dolphins and then also and then, jacking yep. that dolphin off. Yeah, you really think the giving LSD to the dolphin is yeah that is the story. That's the lead. Yeah, yeah, but it's so much more. That's the prelude, baby. Yeah. Um. So in 1951, um, a man by the name of Witt submitted a study in German uh, with an English summary uh, entitled "Die Leise Gesweier." Diathlamid, uh, which I believe is LSD-25, im spinning test, uh, which is the effects of LSD-25 on spiders' ability to spin webs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, I don't know, you guys have probably seen that, that meme image of spiders on, on different drugs. On different drugs. Yeah. I don't know how real that one is. This is not that study. It's, That's been kicking around the internet now for been. like, uh, as far as I can tell, 120 years. Yes. Um, this isn't the one. This, this, this predates that. And uh, in summary, investigating spiders' webs built under the influence of LSD and mescaline, um, throw that one in for free, uh-huh. uh, a difference between the two substances becomes apparent. The most striking is the improved exactitude of the angles with small doses of LSD-25. So just really like, really getting into the hyper-focus mode. Yeah. Really nailing the sacred geometry of the yes. spider web. Uh Probably listening to some tool while they're doing it. I wonder if anyone's done that before. Listen to some tool and listen to uh, take LSD at the same t- at the to same me, time. Listening to tool yeah, is it, like it doing is acid. The trip. That's right. 
Those guys must have been on drugs when they wrote that yeah, stuff. Yeah, they must have been smoking so much weed. <laughs> oh, absolutely, <laughs> dude. Uh, <laughs> um, but conversely, the uh, they experienced decreased accuracy under the influence of mescaline. Just huh. really fucking stuff up, probably puking on the side. <laughs> Experiencing their own birth was really throwing them off from yeah. making a thing to catch and kill flies with. <laughs> Uh, therefore, it seems likely that the similar effect with th- which the two drugs have on man is brought about by attacks from different points. <laughs> I'd say you're on the money there, Vit. So the implication is that if um, you had two men, let's uh-huh. call them uh, Bob and yep. Carl. Yeah. Bob's taken acid and he's built a beautiful house. <laughs> Carl yes. has taken acid and his house is dog shit. Sorry, Carl has taken mescaline and yep. his house looks like dog shit. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the the allegory there. What if um have you controlled for Carl just being a <laughs> like never be, having been taught by his father? We have two twin brothers who have exactly okay. the same experience All in construction. Right. <clears throat> um 1990 uh, 1955, a study by Harold A Abrasion. I think I meant to Oh no, this is the notes autocorrect that I love so much. Harold A. Abrison, I'm going with, and Murray E. Jarvik. Uh, Lysergic acid diethylamide, LSD 25. Number nine, effect on snails. Uh, So the intro to this one, (laughs) they they mentioned that a prior study had shown Siamese fighting fish when immersed in solutions of LSD 25 respond to the drug by, quote, rather typical reactions. Um, I really wanted to find the full text of that one. The only one I could find, I had to pay 40 bucks for, you know, so it's, it's one of those ones that's like deep in a journal. Mm. Um, and they hadn't really gotten their like citation styles down pat in the fifties yet. Um, so are they saying that, uh, that the, they were typical reactions as in typical of things on acid or typical of fish? I think they're saying typical of things on acid. Right. <laughs> so just... <laughs> Little touching themselves with their little flippers yeah. on the face, looking yeah. around in wide-eyed wonderment. Yeah. I should call my mum more. <laughs> I might be a bad person, yeah. but it's not too late to change. Yeah. Um, but they, they they do include a little summary of this one in, in, the, uh, in the abstract. Uh, the initial excitatory reaction of better splendens, uh, just Siamese fighting fish, which ends in a state of stupor is finally characterized by a semi-vertical position at the surface of the water, (laughs) backward swimming, display of ventral fins, distortion of body in an S-shaped form, and Cartesian diver movements. So Cartesian divers um, is a little toy uh, where you have uh, a little, uh, like like a little bait or or something in um, in in a bottle of water. When you squeeze the bottle of water, it just plunges to the bottom of the... Uh-huh. Tank. Uh, so just plunging to the bottom of the ocean. Um, the swimming backwards is incredible. It's so, it's so good. Like in, uh, you know, the movie Deep Blue Sea, when the sharks begin swimming backwards, they show uh-huh. it as a sign of hyper shark intelligence. <laughs> We've unlocked hyper intelligence in Siamese fighting fish. <laughs> a backwards dodge. Um, and similar phenomena has been have been observed in goldfish, Carassius oratoris as well. So that's that's nice. Mm. Um, 
So back to the snails, they report to another reaction which uh, may possibly provide a bioassay technique for LSD-25. We find that several species of snails respond to LSD-25, but our data... Our data are mainly concerned... That always fucks me up. I'll never get used to that. Our data are mainly concerned with Amarablaia cuprina, uh, which is a kind of snail known in pet shops as, quote, mystery snail <laughs> and, and is readily obtainable. Showing uh-huh. up in a lab coat. Hey, um, I'd like one handful of mystery snail <laughs> for normal reasons, please. <laughs> I would like some mystery snails that I am not going to give mind-altering drugs to. <laughs> Wink. Uh, sh- probably, um, probably just a really mild content warning here for um, uh, animal experiments. Um, probably not not the worst animal experiments that you'll hear of, but they're still still doing this. Um, shortly after immersion in solutions of distilled water containing LSD twenty five. The snail opens its operculum, extrudes its tentacles, proboscis, and gastropod, the motion of the gastropod being abnormal. It consists of a rather wild, undulating, waving muscular movement, which prevents the snail from adhering to any services. (laughs) Buddy, we've all been there. (laughs) (laughs) You've broken down the mind of the snails so much you've made them frictionless. Oh, they call it a sticker, but I've never seen it stick. <laughs> Normal response to gentile tactile stimulation is lost. <laughs> just poking the snail on the side of the head. It doesn't seem to be reacting. Just touching it on its eye stalk. The eye stalk's not moving. <laughs> the eyes just <laughs> pupil dilating. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, where am I? Uh, but the snail will close to a more vigorous stimulation, only to reopen again within a brief period. Uh, this disorganized movement has been observed to last for 36 hours and more when snails usually die. That is a bad trip. That is. The Can snail I- does the worm for 36 hours. <laughs> and, and then dies. And then dies. <laughs> Fuck. Which actually yeah. happened a lot in the 90s to a lot of good people. <laughs> One of the scariest scenes in modern cinema um, is in Good Time, mm. um, a movie which I would say is inaccurately named. I don't know why Bit they called it that. There. Bit yeah. of a misnomer. Uh, towards the end, where someone is is like force fed like a mouthful of um, chemical grade like pre blotter. LSD. It's like a couple of hundred doses of acid in a in a Sprite bottle, I believe. Yeah, that to me is a that 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 is a, an absolute horror. Yes, uh, just being. Mm, 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 mm. Anyway, moving on. Don't like that. Um, this prolonged action is similar to the prolonged response by uh, better splendens and persists after the snails are removed to fresh water or to open air. Um, however, quite a number of the snails die rapidly in higher concentration. After two hours immersion in solutions containing, uh, sorry, after two hours immersion in, in solutions containing, and this is some smaller um, proportion of LSD-25, 
the same wave-like phenomena occur. After immersion for four hours uh, in the same solution, the snails may then remain open and show the typical reaction, the fantastic, enveloping, persistent wave-like motion of the gastropod is very different from the distorted, stuporous state of the better splendens, although betters, as mentioned, show a preliminary short excitation phase. So they're really vibing on this. Yeah. They're loving it. They're loving it. I don't blame them. Hmm. Uh, it should be mentioned that only snails that climb out of an underwater trap or vessel are employed to test the drugs. So that, that's a fun little distinction. They're only doing it on extroverts, which is possibly a problem. That You want to give them to so the ones wild. that are They're doing a competency in... test just to make sure the snails aren't duds? Well, I think that's just uh, the ones that they can actually pick up. Otherwise, they're in the trap. Oh, you, right, you can't get your fat little scientist fingers down there. <laughs> Um, so these are, these are fun studies, but there was one that really caught my attention was sort of, it's been sitting in my notes forever. Uh, and that's one by the name of uh, the effects of psychotropic drugs on biological systems of low complexity. Uh, I didn't write down the date for this one. I think it's 1955. Uh, and these guys are really getting down to brass tacks. Um, personally, I think animals are just like too much of a pain in the ass to experiment on. Yep. So... What happens, e.g., if you give the goo from a fire, firefly tail uh, dextroamphetamines, secobarbital, uh, which is an anesthetic, uh, chlorpromazine, which is an antipsychotic, prochlorpromazine, which is another antipsychotic, imipramine, which is a tricyclic antidepressant, or LSD? Uh, well, it turns out nothing, uh, except for the LSD, which substantially inhibited the light output of the firefly tail. What is the goop in a firefly tail? I don't, I don't know. What did they think would I'm so intrigued. Well, I think there's um so what they what they're really looking for in in seriousness is I think a bunch of different more basic reactions mm-hmm. that they can steer with common psychotropic drugs that they don't really understand the the um, oh like the physical mechanism the physical mechanism at this time yeah because this stuff is really hard to to study and and like famously we don't know how quite a lot of the antipsychotic and antidepressant drugs especially the the new ones work right like what mechanisms they operate yeah. on so you know why not give it a go on firefly tail goo why not give it a go on uh, bacteria, uh, which doesn't really do anything? Oh, damn, I was really hoping that, like, yeah. uh, on some sort of cellular level, something crazy happens. You give them acid, they start forming triangles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they kind of really uh really tap into the one consciousness, yeah. etc. Uh, cancer. So if you take a bunch of cancer and like pull it out, obviously, and um. Give it a bunch of drugs. Uh, everything except LSD caused degenerative changes in cell death in shorter times than the control. I assume the cancer on the LSD was just like having a lovely time and yeah. wilding out. Uh, unless it started to think about its purpose in life. Oh, you don't want to do that. No. Oh, goodness am I, just, no. am I just here to kill? Is that, all I'm, is that all I'm doing? Yeah, that'd get dark real quick, you think. Yeah. But I know what you're asking. What about oat seedlings? <laughs> So the antipsychotics promoted growth, 
uh, whereas dextroamphetamine and LSD inhibited growth, showing that oat seedlings probably should take better care of their mental health, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. They're all out there depressed, which... This is insane. Uh-huh. Um, but, all right, that's, that's a bit abstract. What if we gave all of these drugs to Hydra, the horrible little microscopic aquatic creatures that sort of just, like, wiggle about and hope yeah. that stuff, like, falls in their mouth? Mm-hmm. So, Dexies shorten the time, uh, amount of time that their mouth stays open following a stimulus, uh, which, you know, you're never really hungry on uppers. Stands to reason. Um, the same thing goes for the antipsychotics, but that also tends to kill them pretty quickly. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Uh, LSD doesn't do anything for hydras. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, man, drugs just don't work on me. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of immune. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I hear you asking, what about the effects on dandelion sleep movements? Um, <laughs> really? We get to the meat and potatoes of this. Uh, So this is the characteristic movement of dandelions opening and closing their flowers and chasing the sun Mm -hmm. over the several days of their their life. So it turns out uh, Dexys and LSD causes higher movements um, and secobarbital caused the dandelions to close earlier and move less, which, you know, it's a downer. That stands to reason. Um, (laughs) which the authors note that mirrors the actions of these drugs on the human nervous system, amphetamines being typical stimulants, LSD producing both an excitatory and inhibitory effects on the human nervous system, uh, but with the excitatory effects winning out. So basically, humans, dandelions, same thing. I mean, we share 97% of their DNA. We are. We're all one. Yeah. This is like... One of those things where, um, you know how, like, part of the joy of wrestling is sort of, like, turning your brain off to, like, you you know, in one way you enjoy wrestling as a meta text, you know, like, everything that happens in there is a comment on, you know, they know audience expectations and they're playing on them. So, they're yeah. sort of, you're having, a like, a meta dialogue about what's happening and that's funny. But also, part of it is you get absorbed in the storylines and you enjoy yes. it that way. You, you allow yourself to pretend that it's real for the enjoyment of getting absorbed in it. Now, I do a not inconsiderate amount of drugs um, and read a lot of shit about UFOs and stuff. And like, yeah, you should of, check out the game Deus Ex. Yeah, I should. It sounds like it might be up my alley. But part of it is like, I'm always flirting with becoming the worst person alive. Of oh, like, absolutely. You, know, you take acid and then you're just like, you know what? Maybe there is just like something bigger than all of us out there. Yeah. And, you know, like, and it's fun to like, I will, this is extremely embarrassing, but like, I will just get very stoned and listen to a bunch of the most awful Alan Watts stuff in the world of uh-huh. just him being like, we're all energy and it's all just this. And I don't believe any of it, but what if I did? Yeah. And you get to That'd have that little cool. moment. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, you read stuff like this and you're like... Maybe we it would be one, it right? would be really cool if you could like just just get surgery or some sort of like ECT or something that just gets rid of the entire sentence past the comma. Yeah. Like, wouldn't it be? You know, what if we were one global consciousness and yeah. then you can feel that comma coming on, and then and it's lost. You just go like your brain sees the yeah. comma coming up and it goes, oh, "I'm out of here." Yeah, I'm out of here. I, I gotta. I was gonna set that uh, mouth to a gape. Yep. 
I'm going to load up a woe in the brain. <laughs> oh. And then uh, I'm going to propel those legs towards a crystal shop. Yeah. God, I, I wish. I googled uh, the Matrix screensaver. <laughs> <laughs> probably come up with some pretty cool stuff. Um, all right, so I, I, I wanted to pull one more quote out of the discussion session mm-hmm. uh, section, uh, which is probably a thought quite close to uh, the thoughts that we've been having, which is what has been achieved by performing these rather strange experiments <laughs> and by assembling this array of data, which at first sight certainly strikes one as somewhat incongruous, if not irrelevant. Is such a wildcat exploration justified? Uh, and then over the next uh, three pages, the authors explain, yes. But they don't know how humor works, so they could have just said, yes, yes. and then not explained it in any way, shape, or yeah. form. Oh, that's quite beautiful. I love mm. that. Mm. Thank you. The universe is a, a many-splendid thing. Hey, thanks for listening. It's Andrew here. To get access to this full bonus episode along with all of our other bonus episodes every week and to help support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash Vista and sign up for five US dollars a month. Bye. Now, T-Bird. Hey. You and I, you know, we've had a rough, it's been a rough couple of weeks, as you know. Yeah. In Brisbane. You know, there's a whole bunch of things going on. We had floods and pestilence from that Japanese encephalitis and then also the coronavirus. Yeah. No longer novel. No. (laughs) Uh, There's a war. There is a war. Somewhere in the world at the moment. And that's all three horsemen of the apocalypse covered there. Well, I'm pretty hungry as well, so. (laughs) But in these times, you know, we've got something that we can turn to. Something... um, Something that can act as a uh, it's something to kind of take take your mind off just how horrible mm. everything is, and it's something we've been able to rely on uh, since time immemorial. Possibly yeah. the most important thing there is the light on the hill. That's right. It's jokes. I was going to say the federal ALP. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't know if you saw, but there was um there was a screenshot from Wikipedia that was uh, kicking around on. Uh, Twitter last week that got me thinking about this. Now, this is uh, an example of one of the oldest uh, bar jokes that are oh, yeah. in existence. So, I'll just read the text as a refresher, or maybe if the listener's not heard this. So, this is, um, this is from Wikipedia. One of the earliest examples of bar jokes is Sumerian, and it features a dog. Quote, a dog walked into a tavern and said, I can't see a thing. I'll open this one. The humour of it is probably related to the Sumer way of life and has been lost, but the words remain. It's <laughs> it's so good because it has all of the all of the real rhythms. Yeah, and <laughs> the timing—it's punchy and timing and feel of a joke without the context. Like most jokes for the last couple of thousand years have had a dog and a tavern in them. You know, like it—it it feels like it's all there, and so you. You read it and you're like, yeah, I, I want to laugh at this, even though I don't. I don't know what the joke yeah, is. Yeah, no, but it's it's certainly kicking off the uh, kicking off the chemicals. It's letting go some. It's the form is enough. Yeah. To to simulate that, I really enjoyed that. Um, 
you look at the replies of that and there's like, you know, obviously historians and anthropologists and probably even linguists have been looking at this for, I assume, quite a long time and are relatively convinced they don't know what the meaning of the joke is because yeah. there's something lost. But then there's tons of replies to the tweet of people being like, oh, it's actually really obvious. I just figured it out. Like, <laughs> what the fuck do you know? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so weird. Uh, so th- this just got me thinking about like what what the jokes are that we have, like the oldest jokes um, I thought maybe we could have a look at uh, what the the oldest jokes in the world are. Hell yes. So, this is taken from a study done at the University of Wolverhampton. Uh, it was commissioned by an English TV channel uh, called Dave. Yeah, <laughs> very odd. Yeah, I just, I just saw a reference to Dave in an old Harry Enfield video today. This Never morning. heard of Dave. I believe yeah. Dave still exists. It's very strange. Well, apparently. Um, I'm going to do this uh, in reverse chronological order of the 10 oldest jokes that they found. So, most recent to mm. oldest. Um, first one I have here is from uh, Greece in the 4th century AD. Asked by the court barber how he wanted his hair cut, the king replied, in silence. <laughs> Damn. Now that's relatable. Yeah, we all know about that. Like I I I actually I find it well, I mean I don't get my I get my hair cut by a friend now, but I because I have to take my glasses off uh to get my hair cut, um and my you, vision's you very bad. You get your hair cut down at the farm? Yeah, I am now, yes. Because yeah. of because of the problems that I have. Yeah, um, plus I've got all the uh all the all the equipment there to shear a goat already. Well actually the only thing that survived after those floods really was the hairdressing salon. I mean, you were there. You saw the devastation. Yeah, I was, I was there. You were there. And thank you so much for that. I appreciate that very oh, no, much. No, it was the, the least I could do. It was a very nice day. Yeah. Uh, I, can't, I can't read people's lips if I don't have my glasses on and my hearing's not that great. Uh, so, I get very stressed out yeah. talking to hairdressers. But it's, it's so fucking wild that we have like one million barbers that, that are just doing like the, hey, bro, like how do you want your, your hair cut today? Yep. Fucking... Like a PUA would cut it? Yes. Yeah. But instead, um, you can go to your, your friend Alice, who is a farmer, and she'll cut your hair. Yeah, but why Why are there no barbers that are just like the silent barber? That's we will the- ask you how, you how you want your hair cut, and then towards the end, we will ask you whether you want any more off the top. Yeah. I, um, I'm always kind of hesitant when people have, uh, you know, people they'll always tweet and they're always tweeting, but they're always complaining about like, ah, oh, Uber driver wanted to talk to me. Yeah. I hate that shit because it's very like, a, I just want you to do the job that I'm paying you to do, surf, uh, and let me enjoy staring at my phone. There's yeah. an undertone to it, which is very like this person who is on poverty wages needs to shut the fuck up. Uh, that feels quite bad. But also, I just find the hairdresser chat very stressful. Um, but if... Talking helps you pass the time, please, by all means, you know. I feel like with a hairdresser, you cannot, um, there's no plausible distraction. Uh, you can't really have your phone out. There's some sort of social thing going that yeah. you're not supposed to read your phone there. Also, you've got to move your head sometimes, you move depending on what they're doing. Yeah. 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 Here's another joke from 4th century Greece. Wishing to teach his donkey not to eat, a pedant did not offer him any food. When the donkey died of hunger, he said, I've had a great loss. Just when he had learned not to eat, he died. 
It's a good joke. That's a good joke. I uh, got another one here from ancient Rome. Uh, this is sometime between 63 BC and 14 AD. So quite specific, but also quite vague at the same time. Uh, the Emperor Augustus was touring the empire when he noticed a man in the crowd who bore a striking resemblance to himself. Intrigued, he asked, was your mother at one time in service at the palace? Uh, the man replied, no, your highness, but my father was. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I got another one here from ancient Egypt from 30 BC. Man is even more eager to copulate than a donkey. His purse is what restrains him. That's just classic, classic guy humor for us dudes. <laughs> uh, we horny as hell, but uh, women be costing money. Am yeah. I right? Yeah. Why can't I have th- uh, three sex and three money? Yep. <laughs> uh, this one is uh, back to back to ancient Greece, but this time 429 BC. Uh, what animal walks on four feet in the morning, two at noon, and three at the evening? Now, you know the answer to this one. It's the classic. It's the classic Sphinx riddle, as yeah, we all know. The it's not really a joke, is it? And it also sucks. Yeah, I hate riddles. Yeah, fuck riddles. Yeah. Um. So, first of all, it's not, it's not just like... So you're not you're not young in the morning and old in the in the evening. They're trying to trick us with metaphors. Yeah. Yes. I mean you you are younger in the morning and older in the evening, but some yeah, mornings very you sense. are Yeah. So, some mornings you are older than some evenings. That's true. And also not everyone uses a cane in old age. No, that's true. Yeah. Um so and also off. some people are like, you know, born in the morning, uh, crawl around a bit, they, you know, drive like a quad bike or something. Uh, around noon, <laughs> flip it, and that's it. Yeah, no some, evening. Some people <laughs> just a quad bike afternoon. <laughs> and that's why you should really only be on four wheelers with a with a roll roll cage on them. It's quad bikes yeah. dangerous, man. Yeah, don't go on, don't go on quad bikes. This one feels quite weak to me as well. So, this is just from the, the Odyssey, uh, 800 BC. Too long. <laughs> Can I get, well, luckily, you're just getting one of the highlights. Uh, Odysseus tells the Cyclops that his real name is Nobody. When Odysseus, uh, sorry, when Odysseus instructs his men to attack the Cyclops, the Cyclops shouts, Help! Nobody is attacking me! And no one comes to help. <laughs> Cyclops are so fucking stupid, dude. They're so stupid. <laughs> Uh, here's a classic wife joke of unknown provenance from 1100 BC. A woman who is blind in one eye has been married to a man for 20 years. When he found another woman, he said to her, I shall divorce you because you are said to be blind in one eye. And she answered him, have you just discovered that after 20 years of marriage? Guys be paying no attention, is that? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Husbands be neglectful. God. Uh, this one is also a riddle. It's from Samaria, 1200 BC. Three ox drivers from Adab were thirsty. Uh, one owned the ox, the other owned the cow, and the other owned the wagon's load. The owner of the ox refused to get water because he feared his ox would be eaten by a lion. 
The owner of the cow refused because he thought the cow might wander off into the desert. And the owner of the wagon refused because he feared his load would be stolen. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> getting sperm jacked. Uh, so they all went. In their absence, the ox made love to the cow, which gave birth to a calf, which ate the wagon's load. Problem. Who owns the calf? It's a shit joke. Damn. Who? Okay, and what's the answer? Yeah, no answer there. Who owns the calf? Well, I mean, I, I think the calf owns itself, man. That's so true. Yeah, bro. You can't just, like, own a cow. I mean, well, So, is fun, an but... ox a male cow? I thought an ox was something completely... I also thought an ox was a specific type of beast. With, like, big flat horns that kind of go out and up. Oh, an ox is specifically a male bovine trained and used as a draft animal. Oh. Right, so it's just a it's a, a male cow. Yeah. Like, yeah, a steer. Pours beer. A male steer that uh, can... A steer, sorry, that can pull shit. Yeah. Uh, they're commonly castrated as well. Interesting. So Okay, so that doesn't even... I see the problem here. Yeah. Maybe that's what they the joke is. They left that ox, ox's nuts on. I don't think so. Unclear. Uh, this is another one from... Uh, this is our second oldest one here. This is from ancient Egypt in 1600 BC. A uh, little uh, one-two structure that you might recognize. How do you entertain a bored pharaoh? You sail Very a boatload of young women dressed only in fishing nets down the Nile and urge the pharaoh to go catch a fish. <laughs> Seems seems very complex uh, yeah. way to say pharaohs be dumb and horny. I guess. Um, and I've got I got a joke. The, so the the final one on this list, I think, is really honestly the best of them all. I yeah. reckon this is from Sumeria around 1900 BC. So this is old as fuck. This is a 4,000 year old joke. Um, it's in a two part structure. Something which has never occurred since time immemorial, dot, dot, dot. A young woman did not fart in her husband's lap. <laughs> Perfect. No notes. <laughs> also, this structure, kind of like a universal meme structure now, yeah. right? This is the equivalent of, like, you would go, uh, nobody. Yes. Colon, you know, yeah. whatever. 5,000 years past, dot, dot, yeah. dot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, That's so good. Young women be farting in their husband's laps. That's so good. I love it. I love the purity of it. Yeah. Um, also, it's made me kind of question the diets of the ancient Sumerians a little bit. <laughs> now, Theo, I'm not done yet. Oh. I'm just getting you primed for the main event. Well, I was primed ages ago. Well, now you're double primed. Mm. you got to watch Gonna watch out for that. Uh, I'll become so overprimed and burst from all the excitement. Or you might um you might flood if that was the case. Mm. If you primed it too much. You have to turn the choke on, I guess. Yeah. Anyway. Well, um this I'll do the, that now. The, the first two jokes on the, the list here were from uh the same joke book, which is actually historically it's the very first joke book. It's the first one that well, the oldest one that we've ever found. Uh, it is the Philogelos, uh, written in ancient Greek sometime around the 4th century AD. 
Um, and uh, I thought I would share a curated selection of jokes from it for you. Mm. Now, uh, I'm you might the first two jokes are classic a classic Greek form of ancient Greek form of joke, which is a joke at the expense of intellectuals. Now, this is a, a translation of the word scholastikos, which is sometimes translated by people as egghead. <laughs> uh, it has a connotation of like. Uh, like an academic, but who is so sort of involved in their their studies that they're very absent-minded. Yeah, you know, not a lot of common sense. Yeah, can't can't relate. <laughs> Here we go. Um, firstly, I've got an intellectual during the night ravished his grandmother, and for this got a beating from his father. He complained, you've been mounting my mother for a long time without suffering any consequences from me, and now you're mad that you found me screwing your mother for the first time ever? <laughs> Classic. Now, I was laughing halfway through, and then they, they gave the twist. <laughs> and then the twist came. Yeah. Finally, now, the prestige. This one, um, you're going to love. An intellectual bought a pair of pants, but he could hardly put them on because they were too tight. So he got rid of the hair around his legs. <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> you reckon that was what was stopping? Okay. Uh, next here. Um, a rude astrologer cast a sick boy's horoscope. After promising the mother that the child had many years ahead of him, he demanded payment. When she said, come tomorrow and I'll pay you, he objected. But what if the boy dies during the night and I lose my fee? <laughs> it's a pretty good joke. Pretty good joke. Uh, this, oh, this is a good one. A young man said to his libido-driven wife, What should we do, darling? Eat or have sex? And she replied, You can choose, but there's not a crumb in the house. <laughs> Another one here. Uh. <laughs> a young man invited into his home frisky old women. He said to his servants, mix a drink for one and have sex with the other if she wants to. The women spoke up as one, I'm not thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I, I love the Greeks. I, <laughs> I love how just unabashedly horny they were and like... Like pansexual as well. Oh my god, yes. And and the constant like recurring theme of people online being like, we should be more like the Spartans and more like the the <clears throat> pure like mind geniuses of the ancient Greeks and like, oh, okay, like just fucking each other, just fucking and sucking the whole all time, all the time. Yeah. If you're not fighting, you're fucking. Yeah. Um, I got another one here. A man goes to his obstinate friend's house looking for him. I'm not in, comes the shout from inside. Laughing, the friend says, Liar, I recognise your voice. <laughs> You're, you bastard, replies the obstinate guy. If my slave had called out, you would have believed him. How come you trust him more than me? <laughs> nice little joke. Yeah. Uh, I think one... it could use a little trimming. Yeah, there's a little bit of fat in there that I think could go. Uh, last one from the Philogelos here. Philogelos? Um, a young man was asked whether he took orders from his wife or if she obeyed his every command. He boasted, my wife is so afraid of me that if I even so much as yawn, she shits. 
pretty. Yeah. <laughs> now, this, that wasn't even the main event either. I have another little treat for you here. Triple prime on me. Now, this is not a particularly old joke book compared to the first one, uh, but it is still quite an old joke book. We are going to read from the Facetiae or the Liber Facetiarum. Now, this is a, a book from uh, published first, I think, in 1478 by the then papal secretary, Poggio Bracciolini. Now, this is a, a selection of curious anecdotes and jokes that he had sort of heard, and then he bound together in this beautiful Latin tome. Um, I have quite a few of these because they are absolutely remarkable. I just want you to keep in mind that these were written in the 1400s by the papal secretary. <laughs> Uh, here is the first one. An old bishop whom I knew complained that he had already lost a number of his teeth and that others were shaking so badly that he feared to lose these also. At this, a man of his district said, Have no fear that you will lose your teeth. Why not? The bishop asked curiously. Well, my testicles have been hanging loose for the last 40 years, seeming always on the point of falling off, and yet I have never lost them. Next one I've got here. A shoemaker in Arezzo had an apprentice who often left the workshop and retired into the house of his master on the ground that he could work better and more comfortably in the quiet of the house. Ah, oh, working from home. I, I Working from your master's home. That's yeah, right. Sure. This aroused the suspicions of the shoemaker so that he came to the house one day unexpectedly and found the lad in bed with his wife. <laughs> Whereupon he said sternly to his apprentice, You are wasting your time. For this type of work, I shall certainly not pay you. <laughs> There's an awful lot of uh, wife jokes in this. Uh, next one here. Decono del Arangeli citizen of Florence, was appointed guardian of an estate and administered his trust over a long period in such a manner that he consumed every penny of it in food and drink. Summoned finally before a magistrate to give an accounting and instructed to present his books showing income and expenditures, Decono pointed to his mouth and rear, saying, aside from these, I have no other records of income and outgo. He's <laughs> eating chitin', bro. What now, this next one I think might be my favourite, maybe. A Florentine had in his home a young man who instructed his children in the elements of knowledge. After a long stay, the young tutor felt himself so much at home that he had, in turn, the housemaid, the nurse, and finally the mistress herself. When the master of the house, who was a jovial fellow, discovered this, he summoned the young man to his private chamber and said... I find it unmannerly of you, sir, that in taking your pleasure of my entire household, you have made an exception of me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you fuck everyone in my house, and you will not fuck me. What am I, chopped liver? <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> now, this, this next one, I think, might be quite close to your heart, actually. Two friends, during a pleasurable walk, engaged in a friendly dispute over the question, which offered the greater joy, sex intercourse or the act of easing the bowels? As they walked, they came upon a well-known courtesan who had never scorned the invitation of any man. 
Let us ask her opinion, said the first friend. <laughs> she is well acquainted with both functions. But the other objected. She is not the one to decide such a great question impartially, he declared, for she has lain with men much more frequently than she has been to the privy. <laughs> Fuck. We can't ask her. She fucks more than she shits. <laughs> so what they're really looking for is a one-to-one fuck-to-shit yep. ratio. Yeah. For every shit, there is a fuck. Perfectly titrated fucks and shits. <laughs> A man of mature years took a widow to wife and, as he enjoyed the marital rights on the first night, he found that the approach to his wife was wider than he had expected. Beloved wife, he said, your stall is too large for my cattle. Upon which the widow answered, it is your own fault, for my first husband, God rest his soul, filled it so completely that for lack of room, his rams were compelled to remain outside. Now... Help me unpack this one here. <laughs> because it seems maybe the suggestion is that the first gentleman's penis is so small that the balls are also He's going also in. also putting his balls in, yeah. <laughs> and also, I think, like, let's reconsider the context. The, the papal scribe... Uh, just Having jotting, just casually jotting himself. down. Uh, my wife's pussy's so big. <laughs> How big is it? <laughs> That's the Pope from the next room. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. A priest once lay at noon of day with the wife of a peasant who, hoping to catch them in the act, had concealed himself beneath the couch upon which they reclined. The priest, utterly unaware that the peasant was hidden beneath him, exclaimed suddenly in a burst of ecstasy, Oh, I feel as if I saw the whole world stretched out before my eyes. At this, the peasant, who had the day before lost a donkey, forgetting his disgrace completely, cried out to the priest, Please, I beg of you, look about you further. Is there not somewhere a donkey to be seen? Is, do you, do you think that's um, do you, do you believe that someone of that time would be reading this and feeling some sort of like universal connection to that? Absolutely, that's feeling? something so relatable. Yeah, you know, you'd so desperate to find that lost doggy of yours that you would forget that a priest is fucking your wife. <laughs> One of my townsmen, with whom I am very friendly, is extraordinarily slender and lean of figure. Once, when someone commented upon his slenderness, a wit standing by answered, There is nothing to wonder at in this. He spends half an hour at the dinner table, but no less than two hours in the privy thereafter. It's just simple maths. <laughs> it seems, therefore, that my friend must remain lean, since he spends so much more time in the lightning of his body. He be he's, shitting. He's shitting more than he's eaten. <laughs> but if you do, yeah, you crunch the numbers there. It's just not sustainable. Now, I think you're going to like this next one, T-Bird. A young woman of Florence, who was not too richly endowed with wisdom, lay at the point of childbirth and suffered great pain. When her travail had endured for a long time, the midwife took up a candle and looked below to see if there was any sign of the child. <laughs> a little callback to the first flashlight, Ted. <laughs> 
That imagery is very funny. <laughs> the candles on a plate, I'm picturing as yeah. well. Let's see what's going on in that uh, dank old cave down there. At this, the suffering woman instructed her to also look behind for the child, inasmuch as her husband had on occasion also used the back road. <laughs> Check my ass, because we sometimes do anal. <laughs> I, also, I also enjoy that they, uh, it's all like... Yeah, there's there's one one layer of abstraction in the language that they they use, but not in like any meaningful way. They're, they're still as dirty. Yeah, the joke is still as filthy as if uh, you'd just said it outright. That's truly we are all one people. I think yeah. that's the common theme of both of our segments. I think. Mm. Um, now I have one final joke for you. Uh, <laughs> it is told of Janella, the clever jester that he wagered with a man from Ferrara that he would make a soothsayer of him. He took his companion to bed with him and, breaking wind softly, instructed him to stick his head under the covers. The other obeyed, but immediately withdrew, offended by the foul odour. It appears to me that you have farted, he said, <laughs> upon which Janella cried, Correct! I win the bet, for you are already a soothsayer. <laughs> <laughs> that classic wager you make with someone where you're like, now quickly just hop into my bed and stick your head under the covers yeah. for no reason. Lovely. Yeah. Isn't it nice that some things are kind of timeless? Absolutely, I do. Uh, apart from, um, yeah, apart from a couple there where you, where you need a little more kind of, you got to squeeze a little harder to sort of step into their shoes vis-a-vis loss of donkeys, etc. Yeah. I mean, imagine if that donkey was an AU Falcon. Yes, no, that's so true, yeah. Um, hey, uh, Bishop, uh, where did I park my car? Yeah. Have you seen a 1999 AU Falcon sports model, but the yeah. spoiler has come off, and instead of a spoiler mount, there's some duct tape over the hole so that water doesn't get into the boot? Oh, shit. Now that I think of it, please stop fucking my wife. <laughs> The human experience. Uh, Truly universal. Hey, Theo. Hey, buddy. I think we've just finished an episode of The Theophiles. I think... I don't think you'd be... Uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed to disagree with that. Wow, I have verily made you a soothsayer. Hmm. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Um, I'm talking to the listener now. Yeah, no, no. Th- that's, uh, thank you to the hypothetical third person in the room who is invisible to us, but a very tangible presence. And we're looking you directly in the eyes now as well. Yes. Yes, we are. Now, if there's multiple of you listening to this, say you're in a car with your wife and you force her to listen to this on a long drive, mm-hmm. maybe let her choose next. Yeah, stop doing that. Yeah. Uh, this is a uh, this fun little uh, prompt for the message that I got about the train intro. Um Mm-hmm. That um, after three dates, um, let's do this in the style of a of a joke book. After three <laughs> dates, a man says, "Listen to my favorite podcast, Bunta Vista." The the woman returns and says, "I can no longer date you." Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, Scientists are going to be poring over this one. In, yeah. Um, historians in three thousand years, the the, the sort of the jellyfish text remaining, men. but the the subject being lost to time. Yeah. Maybe it's a play on words. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never figure it out. 
Alright. We'll see you guys next time. Guys? No. Well, unless it's the husband and wife situation. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll see you singular next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.